today we're going to frivolously talk uh, with much gravitas on the topic of data. Uh, data. This is Jordan and Chris uh, with uh, frivolous gravitas. Uh, today we're going to be talking to Chris, who's going to be leading the conversation, uh, where he's going to be talking on the uh, notion of data and how we use it, what it is, and what it means to have this in as a part of our ever-present part of our uh, lives nowadays. Um, <clears throat> would you like to get us started? Yeah, for sure. Well, my name is Chris Driver, of course. Welcome back to the show from Bullis Gravitas. This is our third episode, if I'm not mistaken. Third yeah. that we've recorded. Third that we've recorded. Yeah, so um, we're sort of doing this tit for tat thing where we pick out a subject and then go back and forth and have a discussion over it. Um, we're hoping to make it kind of like a weekly thing. And this week, my topic of choice was uh, data, the plural and the singular. But uh, I guess to start off, if uh, I'll just kick into it. Um, start off we'll talk about what datum are the individual data points and the reason why i think this is the best place to start not just because of uh you know fundamental beginning points starting with one are generally good assumptions to make but um for for the purpose of our discussion we're going to be discussing data as a sum of many datum uh, and the reason why that's particularly relevant in this broad discussion on data as a whole is because I find the most oft misunderstood part of data analysis are the datums themselves. Because people take them as verifiable truths that are irrefutable and immutable, uh, laws of nature, whatever you want to call them. And it's sort of frustrating to me, not just because like I pride myself in, in doing analytical studies and research and things of that nature, but mostly because of how people make decisions based on the data they're presented with. Presented with. And when data, the plural, are collections of datums, which are interpretable object points of reference for whoever's collecting and curating and manicuring and processing, uh, those information points, you're, you're implicitly adopting the bias of the person who prepares said data to convince you of something or to write an article that uh, explicitly lays out some sort of hypothesis or especially in economics, uh, like a theory of where the markets are going, where they've been and how policies have affected people. So I sort of want to dive into the the, the rudimentary nature of data being points themselves individually. And to start off, I guess we should just sort of define some, some relative terms yeah. as well. Define uh, our terms before we use them. Yeah, yeah, just so we're all on the same page. So we're gonna have sets of data data being several datum. So one datum of a person might be their age or their height. That's one point of data. 
a set of data would be like a collection of data points on an individual person. So that person though, on a more macro perspective, if you hold back a layer of abstraction, a person themselves might be one data point in a larger organization like a country or a province or a city as well. So they're oh. not immutable sets of information. They're, they're malleable depending on the context and, and zoom, if you will, like the, the viewport and how macro or micro you're examining. So you're kind of saying, let me get my head around this a bit so I can have a datum, brown hair, which is digital or not, that's a point of data. Uh, yes, uh, it's a point of, we can take that as a quantum of information uh, with regard to the data that constructs my, uh, like what you see when you, uh, I guess, look at me. Uh, brown hair, brown eyes, right now I've got a beard. Uh, whereas um, when you put this all together, you get the data that constructs the representative of me. But then if you perceive that in a, so if you're looking at that from the front, the data that you will be getting from me, uh, you will be, you know, his eyes are brown, he's wearing glasses. Uh, right now you'd say, shirt yes blue like this color uh he's wearing a poppy i'm just looking at myself in the thing right now but if you're looking at me from the behind if you're looking at me from the uh from the rear you will still see the blue shirt but you might not see the glasses you'll see the brown hair so you'll see all these points of datum and uh representing uh the information uh that i have but you'll still be seeing the same object in space being me, uh, but you will represent it with different data. And am I getting near yeah, to? Yeah, that's definitely a big part of it. Cause like obfuscation of what we're capable of seeing and observing also comes into play a huge factor, whether you're facing me or facing the other way. Mm -hmm. But think of it also like, if I say that you have brown hair, and define you as one person as that guy with brown hair as opposed to all the ones around you who didn't right the the context might be then well does it matter how many brown hairs you have or are they all equally brown or where do we define the boundaries between red green and blue values combining them to make a brown color versus a red color right so, so i like think that subjectivity is Im implicitly injected by the person who, who's categorizing or labeling your data. Right, so I think that also comes down to, well, I got two things maybe that uh, might influence your definition here. Yeah, um, shoot. One of them is, uh, well, one of them is the subjectivity. So that would uh, also, the frame of context, okay, I'm just making up word salad here. So the way you're approaching this a set of data influences how you're going to how you're going to construct that data set with regard to that object okay there's more word salad but essentially if i'm going to approach you digitally i'm going to need a different set of data than if i'm going to approach you in real life then if i'm going to see you through binoculars uh where the amount of hairs doesn't really matter so much if i'm looking at you from a kilometer away but a dentist going into uh, my molar is going to want very specific set of data with regard to how he's interacting with my teeth. 
Now, right. Now, same... I'd consider that like a refinement of resolution. Just yeah. To... Now, within that resolution, I think, would you be so? Would you because I, I I use this word quantum earlier, uh, to mean oh, it's perfect. Yeah, to mean like the smallest element, the smallest. Uh, I actually had the definition in my head, but I lost unit. It. So the smallest unit in a set of, uh, in a construct essentially. So, uh, you know, the smallest unit of um, a dealership is the cars or something. I don't know. <laughs> But the, it depends on what you want to go, because you can go down to the atomic level in any frame of, uh, uh, we call that um, stratified resolution, uh, uh, the interaction with, sorry, <clears throat> back a bit. When you're interacting with any object, you can always go down in resolution to the, um, to the like molecular subatomic, you know, which, how many strings or whatever, I, not a... Yeah, in the same way you can scale back to right. astronomical sizes and right. so instead of miles. <laughs> so when we're talking about sets of data, it's almost, we should almost have an implicit resolution understood in what we're talking about. And it doesn't need to be like, here's a set of resolution, but it's almost obvious because if you're talking to someone on the street, the atomic structure doesn't matter. The amount of hair on his head doesn't matter, but uh, maybe the qualities would be the quantum, the the physical and care, uh, personality characteristics become the quantum because they are the lowest resolution at which is uh, <clears throat> at which is useful or needed at that given situation. Whereas when I'm interacting with you on a digital set. Uh, like this, I would need ones and zeros, um, but I wouldn't really need. Uh, I wouldn't really need to know, again, the molecular structure. But I would go down to a more minute structure because I rely on the certain elements of my digital apparatus in order to interact with you. Yeah, but, and there's a yeah. lot. Back there too, because I mean we're having an analog discussion. There's we're not picking the exact perfect words for every single thought that we have to to articulate, right? No. We're sort of working through it, and that's like an analog. That's sort of a qualitative, not quantitative assessment. Even though this transmission is processed in individual bits, you can drop a bit here or there, or use the wrong word, or wave your hand instead of saying the right word, and you're still communicating qualitatively. So the quanta is definitely important to articulate, and I think it should be a prescribed constraint to any, to any article or subject matter that's dealing directly or extrapolating directly from data sets or collections of data or points. But I find most people just assume there's truth to some sort of measurement, and every measurement is subject to a ruler. That's what relativity, that's what relativity is, basically. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, okay, this this amount of distance between two objects is 30 centimeters, but who cares? <laughs> and, well, if you're building a microprocessor, that's, that's Yeah, huge. and then it matters, <laughs> but... Uh, and I think the other thing is that uh, as 
humans, the way we're constructed, we tend to disregard a lot of information inherently. Um, it's like yeah, and instinctively too. Like, yeah, like we I wouldn't be able to function if we couldn't do that. <laughs> so I think we might be getting off track a bit. Although I, I, that rabbit hole sounds fun, but I think it's a spiral. We could come back to uh, it and make it useful. Uh, so I think I'm gonna. It's a pretty broad topic, so we're gonna have to come back to it eventually, anyway. So yeah, I think I'd like to you. Yeah, let's let's keep going, and we'll probably bring it up again. I've made my notes here. Okay. Uh, yeah, just takes down the road a bit. <clears throat> so should I continue? Oh yeah. Sorry. I yeah. Okay. My digression. Yeah. No problem. Went everywhere. No, I, I encourage the digression. I didn't mean to sound snarky. Sorry. <laughs> um, so I guess sort of what I'm getting at is uh, in this hyper like this, this world of internet of things and where we're creating data breadcrumbs and dropping them behind like rabbit turds everywhere we go. Uh, it, it behooves us to pay attention to what data actually are. If we're going to be making life decisions or government policy decisions or economic decisions or even interpersonal decisions between people based on data points and constantly ignore or allow ourselves to be ignorant of the the magnitude or scope or scale of the applied data in each instance. We run the risk of making stupid decisions that we think are smart. And then we throw our hands up in the air like, oh, nobody could have predicted this. Like I'll use the example of before Trump was elected president and today being the fourth anniversary of that election, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> but be before he was elected president, I made this, I made the, comment in an article I wrote on my on my Facebook page for my for my writing and stuff that um, most Trump's Trump supporters I saw on TV and on memes there were not the type of people who generally have landlines and the surveys that were going out to poll people didn't even mention whether or not they were using landlines or cell phones well most millennials don't and never had a landline. So they won't even be on those lists that have been generated for decades. Whereas senior citizens who do greatly influence elections, and the boomers are now mostly senior citizens, most of them are straddling the fence between a landline and a cell phone. So there's a good chance they could have been caught counted twice. You know, in a poll, are you gonna vote for Hillary or Trump? And then Trump lost the popular vote, which I was expecting but it was a tight margin, which no, nobody was expecting. Like it shouldn't have been a tight margin. You've got imbecile versus competence. <laughs> Even if they're both evil, like one is, one is verifiably worse than the other, but still Trump won the election. And if everybody was surprised that the polls weren't more accurate. I mean, my biggest thing was, how do you know they weren't accurate? You, you were polling groups of people based on things like a landline or a cell phone as a simple example and you're missing entire segments of the voting population right, right? well i think so if young people know everyone's voting for hillary because they all believe that hillary is going to win of course voter turnout might be lower than people who think they have to make up the numbers to fight back so there's also an incentive component to it of who's incentivized to vote based on poll numbers like, mm -hmm. why would you go out of your way or risk 
losing a day of work and stand in line for six hours if it's going to be an 80-20 landslide. You know, you just, it's not worth it. <laughs> to a lot of people, and especially poor people, when you've got income disparity as the greatest threat in the country, over half the population couldn't afford a $500 unexpected medical bill. Yeah. Like, well, that's I a data think... point that could have been used against other data points, it just wasn't. Well, I think uh, you're describing irresponsible data creation. Okay, like data is being created irregardless of whether you want it to or not. But um, I think one thing that's uh, uh, last five years, I'm going to go into before the last election because it's still included in all this, is that polling data is a flawed medium for uh, mass statistics in, uh, in the political system. Uh, so like four to 10 people say this, and you look at the data and you go, okay, and there's four to 10 people. Wait a second, that's only 10 people <laughs> out of a, <laughs> so this, you're, you're, this seems like an element of at once literacy and a un, not understanding of the medium by the people creating the polls. Uh, and at the same time, you have um, the, it's hard to, I don't want to be cynical about this and say, oh, they did it intentionally to show this or to show that. But uh, you do get people who wanted a certain outcome. It's very undemocratic of them, regardless of which side you're on. But you, have these people who are doing this for money for the right or for the left uh and the data gets skewed with that uh specific bias but then you get like unintended biases from you know four out of ten people so it's like oh and then they take that data which is you know four to ten people would vote for this guy uh, or six out of 10 people would vote for that guy. And they, they see the implied point of data instead of looking at what well, I guess what we call a quantum is 10 people thought different things out of a nation or a continent or, you know, out of a billion people in the free world that are looking at to these 10 anonymous people, um, without knowing the underlying quantum data of who these people are, where they're living, what do they do for a living? Like, how old are they? Um, like, yeah, is it a representative sane? sample? <laughs> yeah, and so you have that representative right. sample. And I don't really want to get into statistics too much because I'm, I can't speak to that. But uh, I think another realm of this is Twitter where you see um, the data of opinion coming through the wire and people reacting to it subjectively uh, rather than looking at the data, analyzing the data and what it means before they react to it. So um, vacuum cleaner killed three people. It's like, whoa, how did it do that? No, wait, no, hold on, let's step back. Look at the data. Okay, vacuum cleaner kills three people. Vacuum cleaners, how did the vacuum cleaner kill three people? Did it do it on its own? And I can't believe this is bad data. Um, and it's not enough data to actually make a conclusion on because if it's like, 
you know, someone put a vacuum cleaner down on a shelf and the shelf was improper in a warehouse and it, it was like the straw that broke the camel's back and it collapsed a whole bunch of shelves onto three people. Well, this isn't a, you know, the, there are, the data is implying that the vacuum cleaner has volition of, you know, murderous volition when in fact it's an accident that I just made yeah. up. <laughs> no, so, it's a good example though, because it shows how like ignoring context mm -hmm. really changes the picture that you get. And I think the, the more impactful or meaningful way in from, from my perspective anyway, just the personal preference thing, but the impactful way that this harms society as a whole isn't just on people reading Facebook posts or, or tweets that are inaccurate because in my opinion everybody knows how to read they could choose to to be in the know and they choose not to mm -hmm. but where it's like especially surreptitious is the the largest companies in the world are all tech giants and all these tech giants don't produce products of value what they do is they hoard and store behavioral data from people and these are data points that are extremely specific yeah like very very they could tell you down to like the ninth digit on a gps system where you were at what time on what day going back 30 years if they had gps 30 30 years ago and servers logging all the yeah all the like go down your right? go download your facebook data and uh ask for all of it i don't yeah, use so facebook i didn't use facebook very often uh and i have since uh stopped using it but um even a year ago that to I me is not the greatest it up, i had like 600 megabytes of data and i was posting stupid pictures once like every quarter and i was like okay um why does it like and so it, it gives it puts into perspective and like this isn't everything they're showing you either um Right, so, and think of the data that they're not showing you. Like, for instance, a Tim Hortons at the corner, a coffee shop on the corner that oh, you yeah. pass by every day on your way to work. You don't have to walk in and log in and use their internet for them to log your phone trying to connect to it to see if it's even there. Right. That's just what Wi-Fi does. It says, oh, there's a Wi-Fi access point. Let me get its name. To get its name, it's got to send a ping to that router. And the router gets a ping from your device and says, hey, I'm going to log this ping. If you walk by that same shop every day, it only takes a week for people to know your routine. And it's not that somebody's going to be digging through it, you know, with a fine tooth comb and clucking out, ooh, he was walking by Tim Hortons at 7.53. He was late for work this morning. But that's yeah. the type of information you could extrapolate from these seemingly innocuous data points. Mm -hmm. Just walking by a coffee shop it, and pinging uh, a Wi-Fi or a cell phone tower, or with 5G coming out, phones are gonna be pinging each other. Like, that's a huge violation of privacy to a company with the resources and means of supercomputers to process it. Right. That's why they're worth so much. And like the top eight tech companies are worth something like 80% of the market capitalization of the entire stock market they sit in. And the, the rest of them are producing food and medicines and vehicles and houses and you know, like construction material and mineral exploration. And they're doing things that are productive and they're worth less than the people who are 
collecting these seemingly innocuous data points, these benign little values that are just numbers attached to numbers attached to numbers attached to numbers. Right, because businesses that want to... Yeah, well, you get these kids, not kids, but don't want to be that guy. You get these companies who, it's almost like assumed that they can sell you more stuff based on um, knowing more about you, targeted ads, and like pe companies will uh, pay more money to uh, target ads to people. Here's what you want. Here's what you want. Now, frankly, that doesn't really work on me. If I see an ad on the internet, I'm like, okay, I'm going to note myself not to buy anything from that company, but I'm, I don't know, I'm bitter about advertising. I've never liked it, but just because I say doesn't, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth and it has kind of a negative effect on me. Uh, doesn't mean it's not going to work for a lot of people. And well, it also doesn't mean that it doesn't work on you. Oh, like no. If it, if it influences 10 people around you and those 10 people you hear independently tell you something like a good experience about one product. Right. They all were influenced by the mar marketing. Right. You might be influenced by the 10 people. Oh, and I'm definitely influenced. I've noticed in my behavior in, in encountering this stuff, it's like, Oh yeah, I'm thinking about that car more. It's like ah, and I shake my head and go, okay, okay, no. And and then like I've definitely noticed the influence, but then I boil it down to, and I think this is when I was like meal to meal in university was, what do I need at this moment? And then I can look to and do my own research for it, and you know, but it's like, what do I need at this moment? Okay, I don't need a car. So, I don't need a donut. Go away. I don't need more clothes. Go away. Uh, it's like, oh, wait. But your general perception, the, the, the image that your brain formulates that. of things. Yeah. And so it is being influenced. So when I think of a car, I will, you know, my brain automatically goes to those like truck and uh, car commercials driving around in the city and with the happy people in it, which are just like, oh, they're like, unbearably happy about stuff <laughs> um and the like i can I, my brain starts playing these motifs in my head and i just like i'm aware of it because i you know i have to i, I i've thought about this because of uh things related to uh digital um uh the digital uh media that I was looking at for my thesis and stuff like that. Um, but also because I couldn't afford any of it uh, in recent years because, and so I would just kind of flick a switch in my head going like, oh, go away. And it's like, it's almost felt like teasing when I was hungry and studying. And <laughs> so I well, would, uh, I don't know. Try putting materialism aside though and think of the shapes like the shapes that you build in your mind about things. Right. So when you say, like, when I when I mention something like Ugg boots or Lululemon pants, you get an idea in your mind that's almost entirely fabricated from never having worn Ugg boots or Lululemon pants. Right. You get that influence based on other people like me who hate them and tell you that I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. And you hear it, and then you'll hear somebody else say, oh, they're the most comfortable pants ever. I love them, I love them. You might form an opinion, well, some people yes. like them, some people hate them. They're not for me. But you might form an opinion based on two people who each individually form their opinions based on 
advertising. Two sets of so data about, about like, the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And, but, and realistically, going back to the polls thing, if Google wanted to, they could absolutely tell you who you're going to vote for before you know, based on what you've looked up, what you've searched, how long you've spent reading it, how many times you click through, yeah, how many ads you've seen. They keep track of all that. They just choose not to because that would just, it would expose them, right? <laughs> then right. people would know exactly what they were capable of using their data for and they wouldn't voluntarily offer it for free services like email. Yeah. Um, so it's not necessarily about the commercial aspect of the individual thing. What I'm saying is the biggest danger and harm to us as a society from mismanaging data is the, the actual, um, it's the potentiality for use and the secrecy with which it's being gathered. Right. Because it can I, be applied so much more broadly than we give it credit so, for because they're not front about it. So you gather data sets on people and then you influence those data sets to do uh, what something to whatever end. Um, uh, the thing is, is that it's easy to see in that scenario, which is, I don't want to say it's a hypothetical scenario because that is what we see a lot happening. Uh, but at the same time, there's no like uh, one hand moving the pieces of the board in that uh, in that scenario. And I don't know if, I, I feel like that is almost too big for um, <clears throat> like to, okay, here's what we want to do. We're going to shift society into this direction because that's what uh, CEO uh, Jane or CEO John want, and they they can try and turn the ship, but then there's other factors. Uh, what if it goes against, you know, uh, human behavior? What if it goes against, um, you know, the another group using different data sets to get different aims? And I don't want to say that, and I don't want to fall into the trap of saying that everyone's collecting data for the sole purpose of gaining power or money uh, because a lot of motivation uh, exists beyond that because well why do you want power why do you want money some people don't care about money some people couldn't give a care less about power but they want something either less tangible that or they just you know what i'm going to influence these data sets so that i can get a car um, and security for their family exactly I want my kid so to go to university so yeah i'll sell some stranger's data that gave me like and you get moral compunction against that right That's the mentality that they'll go through so well security's i find security danger in itself we need more safety it's like oh okay okay but at the same time um that's just me he's a guy who would jump off a building for kicks but uh <laughs> But um, the, uh, where was I going with this? So I feel like we have this ability to play with data sets in such a way to create data sets on people, which may or may not be representative of those actual people, but often can get close. <clears throat> but then we can institute, we can 
push other data sets upon them, you know, buy Toyota or whatever, uh, feel like this, or they're going to lean everyone into one silo. And it doesn't seem to actually be to have an endpoint rather than just giving people what they want to the extent that, you know, you create extremists. But the, um, I feel like what I'm trying to say is that we don't know what we're doing with it. Essentially, we're pretending that we know what we do, what we yeah, know what we're it's doing. It's absolutely it. prone to backfiring too. If you want to influence election and then you pump a whole bunch of bullshit articles out and nobody believes them because they're ridiculous. Yeah. Your vote tally would plummet. Well, it's just, <laughs> like yeah. People just didn't believe what they saw on Facebook and they were like, that is so absurd. I'm absolutely not voting. I'm not even going to think about voting for him now before I was on the fence. Well, that now takes that into, he's putting out all this BS, I'm definitely not. Like, it well, can backfire. You have to go and find, as a responsible data user, you have to go and find uh, the proper... Uh, you got to go and search around now, and not everyone has time for that. Or not everyone is is going to tell them that they don't have to themselves that they don't have time for that. But at the same time, um, it brings into question, it's like, okay, uh, Trump won the election, so we didn't use our data right to influence people. So now you see a doubling of efforts on mm -hmm. both sides having learned their lesson from the last election. But now, even as a person who at least tries to be an informed and uh, an informed voter, you know, giving everyone their say, whether I like it or not, uh, which honestly doesn't really matter before the decision stage um the it's hard to tell what's real and what's not did trump well, actually say that did he is like is he actually terrible is biden actually terrible i don't know i have to actually go way deeper because i'm just being told this guy bad this guy bad both this guy good, this guy bad, that guy good, that guy bad. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I need to get down to issues. And I find I found that really easy with the uh, with the last Canadian election and the last Alberta election here because um, it was, I got to see the candidates. Uh, I found it very easy to uh, figure out what their platforms were. I uh, was able to email them. I was able to talk to them, but watching the American election trying to gain a uh, an opinion of it is like it's easy to say Trump sucks it's so easy uh, and it's obvious that he's um, rude and uncouth and all those but what do we actually know about his platform and it's easy to see that Biden's kind of a weird guy and that the Democratic Party stands for this and that but what do we actually know about their platform? What do we actually know about this and that? Like before the joke was, oh, they're all gonna lie to you and their platform's gonna be a lie, but I don't even know what the lies are now. And I, is, and I feel like the data that's going out is intentionally ambiguous. Um, and this doesn't just apply to, uh, uh, this doesn't just apply to uh, uh, politics because you get you know the finance and banking is 
famously uh, intentionally confusing um, as is real estate, but like even you watch a car commercial, it's like, we've got the new Hemi camshaft overburn like 360 3.0, you know, this or that. And you're like, wow, it sounds so cool. But wait, what is that? It's like, it's an engine. <laughs> it's got an engine. And uh, okay, I'm not a car guy. So I'm, if, if you're offended by my lack of engine knowledge, whatever. Um, but that's the same use of data involved, I would say. Did I lose you? Did I lose you?